Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. And now on tonight's In the Wings, actors Pauline McGlynn, Frankie McCafferty and Noni Stapleton talk about working on next week's Drama on One. Nothing Ever Happens Around Here by Robert Barrett, which took first prize in the 2020 P.J. O'Connor competition. My name is Pauline McLean. My name is Frankie McCafferty. My name is Noni Stapleton. In this production, I am the narrator and also our hero's sister. In this, I play the part of Cortland Alexander, the butcher. The play is called Nothing Ever Happens Around Here and it's by Robert Barrett. I play a few different parts. Nancy Smullen would be one of them and a few other ones that jump in and out. I suppose in a nutshell, the play is about a man in a small town who has reached a certain age and has a crisis because um, he hears of the sudden death of someone he went to school with. And it's how he deals with that all through the day of the funeral. It's very, very funny and, and really, really touching. You could call it maybe a midlife crisis or an existential crisis that the character Cortland Alexander has on a day when, for no particular reason, the mundanity or the regularity of, of life seems to get to him and he has a little freak out. Oh, this play is a wonderful play about a fictional town somewhere in Ireland and it's about the comings and goings of the characters and one character in particular. Um, as an actor, I'm generally very bad at reading scripts and, and I often, you know, will read it and not see what everybody else sees in it. But this was a gem that um, explained itself from its first introduction and I just, I was captivated by it, um, which doesn't happen often either, even even with the best of things that I've read. Um, I, there was, I just felt that it was so beautifully written, so well observed, that like all of the best of writing, and particularly the best of comedy writing, which is very, very difficult to do, it, it seemed to me that you couldn't go wrong with it. Any actor coming to it would be thrilled to arrive and just do it as it was written, let alone that it also gave scope as well for adding little flourishes here and there. It's one of those come-and-get-me scripts that actors just dream of coming through their letterbox. When I got the script, I was well delighted that I was going to be working with Goretti because I just recently did on another piece and re- really enjoyed it. I think she's she's great fun. I really like the writing, the whimsy and the, the poetry of it. And it kind of creates its own world, which I really like. It's not it's not trying to represent an actual small town. And nice to be playing kind of a character who has an arc because I'm a character actor and sometimes you don't get that. You just have your little bit and then and you're gone. So um, I like the the full circle of this one. I have written a few plays myself. You might have heard one of my plays on this very station called Charolais. So the difference between the writing and the acting process for me, I initially thought as an actor that they would there would be quite a bit of crossover, that I would maybe um, improvise some scenes. But strangely for Charolais, uh, it was very much... Um, separated out. I sat down with Barbara Nequeeve and we talked through the story. Barbara directed and developed Charlie. 
And then I would go off in the afternoons and let the imagination fly. And strangely enough, then when I came to act it, even though I had written it, <laughs> there were times when I was going, how am I going to act this? How am I, what, 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 who wrote this? <laughs> I suppose I fell into acting, really. Um, you know, because I was born in 1962, and uh, I'll do the maths for anyone. Uh, yeah, just, just about 60 now. Uh, we, If I say it in a little voice, then it won't happen. But yeah, I'm nearly 60 now. So, uh, you know, I was... I was a child of a generation where um, there wasn't any opportunity really for people before me in the family to go into acting or indeed to go to college. Um, not that they were in any way um, not showy or, uh, or or in any way not bright enough to go to university. Um, not so. There just was no opportunity. There. You had to go and get a job. So I was the first woman in my family to go to university um, which was a wonderful thrill and you say it to people now and they go that can't be but yes um, I was and uh, once I got to university um, Trinity in Dublin I just fell into the acting society there and it was back in the day when they were reviewed by the national papers and everything so it was taken very seriously that that would be a way of training if you like um, to go into acting although that wasn't my degree it was um, modern English and history of art Uh, great times I must say I wish I'd paid more attention. Uh, I'd love to do it again now, all of it. Uh, but you know, that when I arrived out of college having been in the drama society mostly, because there were no drama schools available, it was a huge recession in 1983. There were no real jobs, you know, going pensionable jobs, nor was I trained for anything because I had an arts degree. So I just kind of fell into acting. Um, it was a time when you know, people of my age and you know, who had been to college as well were setting up theatre companies. We were making our own work um, because there was no alternative and it just went from there since then it's been you know 38 years or something of um, staggering from one crisis to the next um, but I guess I'm not trained to do anything else now nor indeed as I've mentioned trained to do this but um, you know school of hard knocks it seems to have worked uh, well no I generally wouldn't wouldn't be leading parts but I've, I've had some very good character roles especially in theatre good character role I had was as Sinric in Vikings who was an interpreter so he he had a a big influence on on what we call the lead the central characters and influenced what happened to them so that's a really good one sometimes uh, like in Ballycus Angel which I did for six years I played a character called Donal and um, he was immutable so every episode for him was kind of self-contained it was always a crazy plan him and his sidekick and um it never worked. It never came to anything. And they never learned anything. But we managed to sort of get, string along with that for six years, perfectly happily. The frustrating ones, more commonly in, in film, are when you just come in with some, like a messenger in Shakespeare, just come in and give information and go again. I did that in Ripper Street playing a hotelier. It's a nice enough scene, but not the most rewarding. The business has been great to me. Um, every actor will tell you that there's ups and downs. That's just part of it. But... Oh, I love acting. I love that I'm an actor. I love the people that I get to work with. You know, I've I got to spend a couple of days here now with the most fantastic people. We really, really enjoyed ourselves. We had Pauline McGlynn, um, Joan Sheehy, John D. Ruddy, Joe Taylor, um, Frankie McCaffrey. Yeah, like, we, we, God, we were like kids on too much sugar, I think. We were, just couldn't believe that there's, here we are again and the industry is, it's coming back, you know. It needs, it needs, uh, needs your support, it needs 
um, a bit of help. But uh, God, like I think we all realised during the pandemic how vital the arts are for all of us. I, I really don't think that the nation could have gotten through without without its art, without its artists. I really don't. I was at college with a lot of the people who set up Rough Magic Theatre Company in Dublin, still going and still very, very wonderful. And just behind me, if you like, uh, the younger people were Fishamble Theatre Company. Uh, ahead of me were people that, you know, became directors um, and indeed designers in RTE, John Comiskey, Alan Farkasson, um, and over in UCD, uh, Jared Stembridge. And these are all people that I've worked with since. And um, it was a very rich time and a time of possibility even though we all came out during recession I suppose it meant that why wouldn't you be uh, doing the arts as a job because there were no other jobs available anyway so we made the work and then we did it and now we're we're still here Well I got into this business um, from university really I went to college in UCG uh, which had a very active drama society and um, I was very involved with them. And while I was still an undergraduate, a bunch of us took off on a tour of America, doing four Irish plays in rep, the Playboy of the Western world, waiting for Godot and two modern plays, uh, which was a baptism of fire. Um, and when I came back to that, I started to work for Druid's Theatre Company in Galway as a, an ASM. And then I got an acting role. So that's it kind of happened that way. It, an old-fashioned type apprenticeship. That's how people used to train in theatre, was by being an ASM and then acting. But I, I did everything back to front because um, while we were doing that crazy tour of America, we I discovered that there were scholarships available to study in France, in Europe through the European Union and the French government. So it took a lot, like over like eighteen months, to organise the the bureaucracy. But I got to go to drama school at the Conservatoire in in Paris for a year after I'd begun working as an actor. So I kind of put the the cart before the horse, or the other way around. Yeah, you say I went to drama school in France. Everyone goes mime. We didn't do mime. Uh, we did. We studied. Basically, the core of all the training was Commedia dell'arte. So you studied the Commedia characters and the masks and makeup and stuff that go with those and the psychology of the characters and everything kind of proceeded from that. So to back that up, we had movement. You could do dance, fencing, horse riding, which I did because um, I just thought it was a very clever thing to teach an actor if you're going to be in period films and stuff. Um uh, singing, um, then you had uh, acting classes like interpretation and they did do mask, which was tied in with comedia as well. So it was, uh, you know, a lot of traditions that I think we use here all the time as actors, but, but, but I found useful was getting the names for what, what it is you're doing and for the techniques that you're using and stuff. And uh, breathing in speech was one of the biggest ones. I found that really useful. The, the Father Ted role that I had as Mrs Doyle is the one that people know best and love best, I'm sure. Um, and why wouldn't they? What a what a dream job. And it's still, like 25 years later, it's still as funny and as silly and as resilient uh, and lasting a comedy as you'll ever get. It's it's a classic. So I'm eternally grateful to it for, for existing at all and the fact that I squirreled my way into it against all the odds. Uh, at the time, they didn't want to see me to for casting because I was too young to be Mrs Doyle. But you know, they hadn't bargained on the fact that I... I have been playing older ladies since the very beginning, since my college days. So um, if anything, I've gone backwards uh, age-wise of the roles that I've been playing. So eventually I wore them down and I became Mrs Doyle. 
and it's just wonderful to look back on it. You know, you'll hear a lot of rumours that, um, you know, I I tried to get away from, you know, the Mrs. Doyle label. And I did in as much as I have to keep working. I, I have to be, you know, I'm I'm a working actor. But um, nothing will take away the pride, I feel, and, and the sheer good luck, I feel, to have been in that magnificent series. The thing I like most about working uh, in radio is that you have your idea of what you'd like to bring to it. And then in collaboration, you you get to go somewhere that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. You get a direction that you think, oh, right, I didn't see it like that. Or with some of the other actors, you're thinking, wait a minute, actually, I see from their performance how I can adjust slightly or how we can how we can work together to make it bigger than than what I initially thought it was. It's the collaboration is is the part that I love. And of course, working with Goretti Slavin as director and Gar Duffy as the sound engineer, that brings the other side of it, uh, the collaboration being both artistic and technical. Studying in the, the Conservatoire National d'Art Dramatique in Paris was uh, it was fascinating. It was it was a great opportunity. Uh, but it was very hard work because as the name of the, the you know, the college would suggest it was very much to preserve French tradition and French classical theatre. Uh, so no one spoke any English. Um, so from day one, I had done a degree in French and English in UCG. So I had a bit of a leg up, but it was still very, very demanding. Um, and we were there, there were 10 of us, just over 10 uh, foreign actors from all over the world. And the idea was that we would share the experience we, we had with uh, the French students. So we got to that to some extent, but we sort of ended up working amongst ourselves. And that was actually really interesting. Um, it took me years to kind of realise all the things I'd learned there, mainly about technique and declamation and stuff that you do in, in uh, classical theatre. But it applies down to everything. It's, it's useful for TV work and radio work and all kinds of things. I was born in Sligo and all of my family are there, townies, uh, and I grew up in Galway. Uh, we moved to Galway when I was six months old and my brothers were born there and the family home is still now there. Uh, so I, I kind of had the best of both worlds, really, of uh, the beautiful west of Ireland. I was a child of the 60s, um, so I went to the Mercy Convent primary and secondary school and I loved school I really loved it um, and you know you'd go back to say the secondary school many years later and any of the teachers who were still there from my time would say you know it's always really lovely when you speak about this school you speak with such you know fondness and 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 love for it and they they were really appreciative of that uh, but I thank them for giving me a, a good time while they were trying to educate me. The idea for Charlotte came in my mother's kitchen. I was talking to myself in a sort of a Midlands accent and this monologue just came out of me. Um, so maybe that's where the acting came in to spark it all off. And I was narrating my actions in the kitchen like, oh, I'm making a cup of tea there now. And God, have we any decent milk? And all of a sudden this this monologue just sort of flew out of me and I began to think I better scribble this down like there's something here so I began to to write it down and the very first paragraph of Charlet that sort of has all the other characters in the play as well that was all in that in that first paragraph and since then I've had a few ideas percolating away um, and we'll see we'll see what'll what'll come in the future.
Yeah, well, there, there are various names. I use them most in a Molière play called Les Fourvieres de Scapin, which is Scapino in English. So he's renamed them all. So there's, there's like a miser in Scapino. He's called Gerante, um, but he's different names. There's a wandering sergeant who, who turns up again in Scapino, usually called Bragadacio, but he's got a different name. I forget what. I think he's just the sergeant in um, Scapin. Um, and then there's always young lovers. Uh, there's a fool who be very often Harlequino or in the Molière one, um, he's he's Scapin. He's he's the fool. Um, and there are sort of stock plots that get used, but I think when it was in its heyday, the, the actors would be so well trained in the characters and the techniques that they could improvise. So they'd stick up a rough plot in the, the wings and consult it occasionally, and just see what happened. Uh, but it is it's it's kind of very much misunderstood, I think here because it's associated with things like pantomime and with overacting which isn't really what it's about at all it's about character and psychology of characters and understanding how to play the proscenium but that proscenium might be the lens of a camera. When I was growing up in the west of Ireland radio was one of the things that kept us sane Um, there were so many great shows on including sometimes the sponsored shows that would happen on radio which is when the first time I suppose between that and on television halls pictorial weekly that was the first time I saw Frank Kelly and like these people were doing satire these these people you know were almost being naughty if you like in in a very church ridden state and it was the same with a brilliant comedy called Get an Earful of This that Rosaline Linnan and her husband Fergus were involved in and it was the treat of the week to be able to listen to these things and know that you know there, there was great mischief out there at, at the very least and then to work with all of these people later it was just a charm and I had worked with Dermot before Father Ted on radio as well because we made a satire of the week called Scrap Saturday and I was every woman in Ireland even though I always thought that uh, Mary Robinson should have been played by a man because she's that splendidly deep voice but it was brilliant to be able to tackle all of these different characters and to be cast in roles that I would never have had a chance of doing if it were in other media and that is why I love radio. I love radio because it gives you the chance to just exercise people's imaginations. They don't need to know what you look like. They just need to believe that you are a character that you might not ever get a chance of playing in any other medium. I operate more instinctively. Um, I do a bit of both. Um, It sort of depends on what else is going on in my acting career because I suppose I'm, I'm an actor first and foremost. And... I think it just wouldn't suit really to to be sort of so rigid. I must write between eight and ten or, you know, in the afternoons has to be my writing time. If it can be, it will be. But, you know, you never know what you're going to get um, day to day. Be, uh, I mean, <laughs> these days you're definitely going, yes, I am available. <laughs> so you got to drop what you got to drop and um, and just just be kind of flexible, I think. Yeah. No, they're very different. I very much like film and I've directed a few short films and stuff. A no-budget film made with my friend Joe Wall called The Birth of Frank Pop, which it turned out to be an homage to the old silent movie kind of genre. So a lot of the comedia work came out in that. But then I did subsidised films, one called Flush, which was a cancer comedy, actually, before that was a genre, with Killian Murphy and David Wilmot in it. One called Brood, which is the adaptation of a long poem about Ian Kilroy. Uh, one for T.G. Carr called Fillin and Fial that again had Killian and Don Witchery in 
and I did one for the BBC called The Devil, which was written by the late, great James Ellis, uh, rather adapted by him from a Maupassant short story. So the French thing keeps coming back. So I've, I've worked a lot in film and did six years of Ballycus Angel. If I actually had to choose as an actor, which genre I preferred, I would always say theatre because it's live. So there's, there's nothing to beat it. And it's been one of the things that's been the most deeply frustrating in this past these past times is not having a live audience it's um, theatre isn't theatre without a live audience sorry right, that's as far as I'm concerned you know Zoom no I never thought that I'd get into writing um, in as much as you know some people would say like the, they were born to be writers and I kind of came to it very very late just on the back of a load of other people I knew being asked did they have a novel in them and I thought do I? And I, I started to write about, um, initially, a, a private detective called Leo Street. Uh, there are three books set. They're kind of crime capers. She's a private detective in Dublin. And it's all a, it's as much about her life as it is about uh, the capers that um, people around her get into and the things she has to investigate. And it kind of went from there um, into, uh, you know, gloriously called standalone novels. I think they still are. Um, but, you know, just uh, different stories uh, all told. And you know, over the years they mount up, I suppose. So I've written eight novels for adults, if you like, and and two then for ten to thirteen year olds um, that were no less hard to write. Can I just say? I think when you're writing for younger readers, it's it's absolutely action. You cannot waste their time telling them what the door looks like. You got to go through the door, and something's got to happen, and it's got to be pacey. So it's been really, really interesting. However, you know, having said that, it's kind of no surprise that some could go from acting to writing because it's all storytelling and and that's what we do that's what the Irish do we tell stories and that's why my life is just when I look at you know especially when I'm working how ideal is that I, I get to tell stories and and hopefully not to waste anyone's time because um, that would be the worst thing you could do as an entertainer. So, you know, it's 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 kind of wonderful, the all-roundness of the experiences that you can have. This year, thank God for the Virgin Media ad and I'm so grateful for it this year. I got to film it in Kiev so I had 10 days in beautiful city of Kiev which was also in lockdown but, I mean, it really didn't matter just, just to be able to have the experience of being in an aeroplane, working with uh, loads of people again, staying in a magnificent uh, five-star hotel was kind of nice in a pandemic. I tried to lay off the social media a little bit so, as you know, some people would be talking to me when I got home. (laughs) On my days off, I was able to walk the streets and then you'd turn a corner and all of a sudden there was, you know, a golden domed cathedral in front of you it was a little surreal I'm actually going to write a script that I began I've written the first draft um, so I need to it's a, a solo thing um, that I'm working on so I, I need to chain myself to the desk and get stuck into that I suppose with me people probably think that I do mostly comedy rather than anything else and that'll be you know on the back of amongst other things um, Father Ted but to be honest with you I've always been a bit of an all-rounder and I think you have to be if you want to earn a living because you're living from hand to mouth <laughs> as an actor uh, so it's always it's good to um, to be using both hands I wouldn't ever say that there's anything that I, I wouldn't do um, you 
you know, as an actor, and I wouldn't be afraid of the straight acting at all. And I'm always very delighted to get it. I have done lots of film and television and theatre and radio drama, which is absolutely my favourite of all of them. So, you know, you, you just have to be available for all of the, the disciplines, as they call them. Uh, so I've been working on Harry Wilde. It's a TV series shot in, in Ireland for Acorn TV. It'll be shown on RTE. And I've been working with Jane Seymour on that. And who you'll know from the Bond series, Live and Let Die, and um, Dr. Quinn, and so many other things. And, oh, she is... Such a gorgeous person, a beautiful person inside and out. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure working with her. She's she's one of the good ones for sure. I'm from uh, Donegal, from the Twin Towns of... Uh, I'm from Stranorder, but it's beside Bala Buffet, so they're, they're, they're known as the Twin Towns. Um, I went to school there and uh, briefly to Kevin Street College of Technology. Didn't work out so well with the maths for me. Uh, so then I went to UCG um, I will not call it the name that it's supposed to be now known by. I think it's a travesty. Um, but I did French and English in UCG and that's where I began acting and stuff. So, yeah. And that was actors Pauline McGlynn, Frankie McCafferty and Noni Stapleton talking about working on next week's play Nothing Ever Happens Around Here by Robert Barrett which took top prize in the 2020 PJ O'Connor competition. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One.